Would you grab your Bibles today? Let's go to the book of Matthew, the 26th chapter, Matthew chapter 26. And to our campuses today, we welcome you. I'm believing today that something great is going to happen in your life, that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to minister to you, that as the Word of God goes forth, Scripture says it will not return void. And so you're going to receive the same impartation there as we're receiving here uh, in the house of the Lord together today. The book of Matthew, the 26th chapter. Now, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about freedom uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ. What we've been talking about over the past few weeks, and we, we begin this whole series sharing with you how that the blood of Jesus Christ does some specific things, that there is power in the blood. And, and, and how many of you remember growing up in church way back in the day and singing those songs about power in the blood? Amen? I mean, those were great songs that we used to sing back in the day. We might ought to resurrect a few of them. Because there's still power in the blood. And, and so we talked about, one of the things that we talked about the first week is that Scripture teaches us that, that blood literally has a voice. That blood speaks. And, and we talked about how that back in the day you can remember uh, when the saints would begin to pray and plead the blood and how that, that uh, was releasing the power that's, that's from the blood of Jesus. Last week we talked about how that Jesus shed his blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, how that we went from the Garden of Eden uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane, how in the Garden of Eden uh, that there was man's will that was done. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, God's will is done. Now, today we're going to continue this process, but here's what we're going to talk about. Today we're going to talk about freedom from within. Now, the Bible says this, whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. But how many of you know that you can get saved and still have some junk? In fact, let me ask you this. How many of you were perfect the day you got saved? Just checking to see how many of you still have trouble with lying. You know, it just didn't, it did not happen, did it? All right? Now, the book of Matthew, let's read it. Matthew chapter 26, verse 67 and 68 says, Then they spat in his face and beat him. Now, some uh, scholars tell us that when, when you read uh, the translation there, that they literally, they weren't just beating him with their fists, but they literally were taking rods and beating Jesus. It, this is not the... the cat of nine tails this is just rods that they beat him with and it says they struck him with the palms of their hands saying prophesy to us Christ who is the one who struck you so Jesus is being beaten he's being beaten with fists he's being beaten with open hands he's being literally beaten with rods and so his body is suffering extreme trauma the book of Isaiah the 53rd chapter in the fifth verse very familiar but just listen it says this but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, the Scripture talks about Jesus being bruised. He was wounded for my transgressions. My transgressions are those things that I commit. It's those acts. When I transgress against the law of God, it's, it's what we refer to as sin. Anybody deal with that? Let me help you. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So it's a universal thing. Everybody's done it. Most of you have recently. All have sinned, okay? So he was wounded for my transgressions, but Scripture says he was bruised for my iniquity. 
Now, a lot of times we've kind of put those two together and said transgressions and, and, and iniquities or sin and iniquities, they're the same things. But I'm going to show you in Scripture today that sin and iniquities are not the same thing according to the Word of God. Now, when it talks about Jesus being bruised, what, what is it referring to? Well, bruises develop when the blood vessels under the skin tear or they rupture. That's how bruise takes place. In other words, blood leaks into the tissues that's under the skin, and it causes the bruise. And so we talked about how, how powerful Jesus' blood was as it was shed. And so literally what's happening here is that Jesus is bleeding on the inside. Every time they hit him, every bruise that was formed upon his body was Jesus bleeding on your behalf so that you could be set free from your iniquity. You say, well, pastor, what is iniquity? I thought iniquity was just like sin. It's not. The, the, tr the definition for iniquity is perverseness. Uh, it's what iniquity means. It, it means this, that which is not straight or upright. Perverseness. To make crooked or to bend is what iniquity means, to make crooked or to bend. Here's, here's the bottom line. Iniquity is the propensity toward a certain type of sin. It's a bend toward a certain type of sin. Now, I'm going to say some things today that you probably are going to have to think about real hard and you may have to pray for me. Because you may not agree with what I say today, but I want you to consider it and I want you to think about whether I might be right or not. And that is this, is that we often hear people say things such as, well, I was born that way. And basically what we have said is, no, 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 it's not, it's not, it's not the way you were born. You're, you're, you're not born that way. And it doesn't matter what the sin is we're referring to at that point. You're not born that way. I want to disagree with that. I want to tell you that people are born with certain iniquities in their life. The Word of God lets us know that the iniquities of the Father are visited to the third and the fourth generation. That iniquity is a propensity. It is a leaning toward a certain type of sin. And, and you say, well, that's not fair. How many of you found out life's not fair? I mean, there are a lot of things about life not fair. I mean, I mean some of you were born five foot four. And you wanted to be 6'4 and dunk a basketball. That's not fair that you can't. But it's just life. I mean, I, I've, I've said for years, I'm not overweight, I'm under tall. You, you know, you just got to figure out what the, what the issue is here. And, and, and we, you know, we've, we've got all these things that, well, the, I, it's not fair that I was born here. It's not fair. That, there, there are a lot of things about life that are not fair. And I want to tell you, in the sense of fairness, iniquity is not fair. But the fallenness of mankind brought about iniquity. I, I, let me use this illustration. If you were to plant in your yard, if you were to go out and plant a little sapling, you were, you were to buy a little sapling and you were to plant that sapling, and you were to bend that sapling and tie it where it is leaning sideways, you can do that for a few months, and then you can cut that line, and I can tell you that that sapling is going to grow into a tree that has a bend to it. It is the same way in the life of people. When people have endured certain things, whether it is from something in their family or something that is passed on from their family, they grow up with a certain bent 
towards a certain type, there is an iniquity that is in their family lineage. Every one of us know people who great-grandpa is a drunk, grandma was known to find some moonshine, Son was known to, and now grandson. I mean, it's, it's this generational thing. You say, Pastor, I, I just don't believe that that's true. Well, can, can I show you from Scripture that iniquity really does happen? Would that be okay this morning to show you that, that it really is? Now, now, we are not talking about, listen carefully, we are not talking about sin. We are talking about the bend toward a certain type of sin. There are certain types of sin that do not bother me. What are you looking at me? I, I, I never see somebody sitting at a bar getting drunk thinking, man, I'd love to be doing that. I, I, I have no urge, but there are some of you out here, you can smell it. Boy, y'all looked holy then. I'll look at the campuses. I, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's like, ooh, pastor. It's, it's the, the, but, and I'm not going to tell you what mine are. But there are other things that just drive, drive me crazy because of the iniquity that comes through the lineage that, that I've come from. You say, well, how does this work? Well, let, let's look at it in Scripture. David is referred to as a man after God's own heart. David is a powerful man of God. David loves God with everything within him. But every one of us knows that David had problem with women. What? Okay, let me prove to you how much David had problem with women. David is, they think David is dead. He's gotten old. They think he's dead. And they bring a young virgin and put her in bed with him. He lives for another year. Y'all ought to read the Bible. There's a lot of stuff in there that you don't even know is in there. And, and, so, and so David has this propensity. We all know he committed, committed adultery with Bathsheba. Uh, he commits murder because of his adultery. Then he moves her into the palace. He has a baby. And they live in open adultery in front of all of Israel for over a year. And until Nathan walks in and says, you're the man, he doesn't even repent of it. I mean, it's, it's this whole thing. David has that problem. Guess what? David's son, Amnon, has the same problem. In fact, it's so bad in Amnon that Amnon rapes his own half-sister. Absalom has the same problem. We always talk about Absalom and his rebellion, and that's true. But Absalom also steals David's concubines and rapes them. I mean, it is a generational curse, if you want to use that term, that is in the life of David. It, it goes on. How many of you have ever heard about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, man, they're, they're the patriarchs of the faith. They're the people that we all, oh, they, they are the ones. You want me to tell you the sin, the iniquity that's in the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? You know they've got one. In fact, there's two of them that we see from Scripture. One of them is, is that they abuse their wives. Listen, if I were to walk to my wife and I would say after church today, now you go live with this other man over here. It's in the book. It really is in the Bible. He shows up in Pharaoh's country and he says, 
You tell them you're my sister and you go live as part of the harem in Pharaoh's court. And God has to send, an, uh, send a messenger to tell Pharaoh that it's, it's the wife. But you know what? Guess what? Not only does Abraham do that, Isaac does the exact same thing. Isaac does that to his wife. Now, that's abuse. And then Jacob marries Leah, but he hates her. Well, I just don't believe that. Well, let me give you one you can believe. Abraham's a liar. Isaac is a liar. And it is such in the culture of the family by this point that when they name Jacob, they name him deceiver. They just came to the point and said, he's gonna, that boy's going to lie from the day he's born. Now, what is that? That is a generational, that is iniquity that is passed on from the one generation to the next generation. And we can argue and we can say, oh, it's all sociological or it's all this. No, no, no. There is a sociological as aspect to it. But it is also a spiritual happening that takes place within fallen humanity that we deal with iniquity. If we were honest today. Every one of us, since we got saved, have dealt with iniquities. We have dealt with things, even though we know Jesus, we got baptized, we were filled with the Holy Spirit, all the things that happened in our life, we still have struggled. We still, how many times have we prayed over the same thing and felt guilty? You know, we, we've had this life-controlling issue, and, and that life-controlling issue could be drugs, or apple pie. It's just controlling. You just, you, you know, you don't know when to quit eating, and you don't know when to quit messing with stuff. You, you, it's just, it's just all these things that we're dealing with. Why? Because there's an iniquity. And we, we start checking back. You, you know, some of, some of you are real heavy into genealogy. I'm not. Some of you want to know, you know, 15 generations back. Listen, I think I got a bunch of, uh, of horse thieves and murderers and stuff back there. I don't want to know. I just plead the blood of Jesus a lot and ask for forgiveness and cleansing. All right? Now, how, how do we come to this place that we appropriate what Jesus Christ did for us by the bruises that he took upon him for our iniquity. How do we do that? Go to the book of Psalms, the 51st chapter, and that's where we're going to spend the rest of the morning. Psalm chapter 51, beginning in verse 1. Now, this is David. This is the, this is the guy that I was just talking about. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. That's that sin thing. But look at the next verse. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. He said, here's my transgression, but wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He's saying there's two different things here. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sins always before me against you. And you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. But look at verse 5. Behold. I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. David said there, there's, a, there's a parallel here. 
He said, these sins are those things I've done. But he said, I was brought forth in iniquity. In other words, there was something that came through the lineage into my life. So the first thing that I've got to do, if I want to appropriate inner freedom, if Jesus took the bruises, that inward bleeding, then how do I appropriate inward healing into my life? The first thing I've got to do is I've got to confess to God. I've got to say, Lord, have mercy upon me. When was the last time that you asked God to have mercy upon you for this situation that you continue to deal with? You know, we, we love to kind of hide it. I mean, I mean I've, I talk to people all the time, and they act like God doesn't know what they've been doing. It's like if I don't tell him, he won't know. Let me help you. He knows. And the quicker you confess it, the better off you're going to be. And, and so David just starts off confessing. I mean, the, the David's a big sinner, but he's a big repenter. Some of us need to learn how to repent. Repentance is not a one-time thing. Repentance is not something you do on the day you quote-unquote get saved and you don't ever have to do it again. The Apostle Paul said, I die daily. There's this aspect of, of Lord, I confess to you my sins. I, I need, the, the word confess means to say the same thing as God says. You want me to help you to overcome some things? Start saying the same thing about what you did that God says. And instead of saying, Lord, I have some problems, just, just walk into his presence. Lord, I am the biggest liar that has ever walked on this earth. Every time I open my mouth, Lord, I lie. You won't do that too many times until you start trying to do it a little better. You're just confessing. You're just saying the same thing. David just starts saying the same thing that God says. Look in verse number 6. Verse 6 says, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know your wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. The second thing that you've got to do in this process is you've got to pray to be set free. Now, let me, let me say something, and you're not going to like this, but just listen. Some of us enjoy our iniquities way too much. There, there are certain things that we have petted for years and, and we've got a list of excuses this long of why we can't be different. Well, you just got to understand, you know, I'm, I'm just given to the gift of exaggeration. No, you're a liar. And, you know, we've, even in the church, we've come up with the term evangelistically speaking. Well, what we're just saying is we give that preacher a license to lie. Right? And, and what we've got to do is we've got to come to that place of saying, Lord, set me free. Lord, you desire truth in the inward part. Now, let, let me tell you something about, uh, about all of us, and that is this. The person that we deceive the most is not somebody else, it's ourself. The Scripture says this, the heart is deceitfully wicked. 
Who can know it but God? Have you ever found some things hidden way down inside of you you did not even know were there? Boy, I have. I mean, I've been in church and things come that I didn't even know were inside of me. I've met people. Have you ever met people you just didn't like? No, come on. Have you ever, have you ever encountered people that you just immediately just did not like? I can remember when I went to college, there was a guy I met the first, it seemed like it was the first day of college, and I had never, I mean, I, I was, I'm, you know, I'm headstrong, but I'm for, I can get along pretty much with anybody. This guy, his name was Kelvin, I hated him from the day I met him. And I don't hate people, but I, let you, I, I would just look at that guy and get mad. I mean, I couldn't stand, I didn't like the way he dressed, I didn't like the way he walked, I didn't like, he was from Louisiana, I didn't like the way he talked, I didn't like anything about him. And I went home that summer and God worked my motor over about hatred. You know, here, I'm, I'm preparing for the ministry. And I hate this guy. I mean, I literally hated him. I had to confess, I, I, and you know what I had to do? I had to go out of my way to become a good friend to him. And, and just, just deal with it. I, I, had, I had to be, Lord, you got to set me free from this because this guy, he's going to make me go to hell, and I don't want to. Because I know I can't go to heaven with hatred in my heart, but I hate this guy. Some of y'all are just way too perfect for me. Look at verse 10. Here, here's the, the, I think this is the crux of everything I'm going to talk about this morning. He says, create within me a clean heart and renew within me a right spirit or a steadfast spirit. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take from me your Holy Spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. The third thing in this process of receiving inward cleansing and transformation is you've got to receive supernatural cleansing. Supernatural cleansing. Listen to what David says. He says, create within me a clean heart. What is he saying? He is saying, God, I can't change. You do understand creation is a work of God. And only God can create within you anything. And David goes to God and he says, I need a supernatural happening in my life. I am tired of being the way that I have been. I want to be a different person. God, can you do something inside of me? I mean, don't you get tired of praying over the same old stuff time and time and time and time and time again? Don't you get tired of finding yourself doing the same thing and then feeling guilty and then coming to God and promising Him you're never going to do it again, but in the back of your mind you just know. But when God creates within you a clean heart, the old things pass away and behold, all things become new. All of a sudden you find yourself not even remembering what it used to be like. There are aspects in my life that over the past 30 or 40 years that God has changed within me. I mean, he has literally changed me completely that I don't, I, I have to stop and think back to figure out why I used to have so much trouble in this area of my life. 
And all it is is that God did a creative work. He did something supernatural that is beyond my understanding. I want to tell you something. You do everything you can, but at the end of it, you bring it to God and say, God, it's here. If you don't do this, I'm going to be in a mess. Here it is. Create within me a clean heart. Look in verse 13. David says, then I will teach sinners or transgressions your, transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. The fourth thing you've got to do in this process of, of gaining inward transformation is that now you have to begin to testify of the grace of God. You have to begin to tell others what God has done for you. Listen, if God sets you free from a particular area of lifestyle problem that you have had, you need to be willing to tell somebody else about it. I mean, you, you don't need to keep that to yourself and say, oh, no, 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 I'm not. No, listen, you need to say, look, I used to be this. I used to struggle with this issue. I used to have this problem in my life. But Jesus Christ changed me. He gave me a new heart. He changed that part of my life. Those things that I used to want to do, I don't even desire them anymore. I've been set free because of a clean heart that God's placed within me, a creative work he did for me. In verse 16, he begins to say, For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. The fifth thing is this, is that you have to learn how to walk in humility. It's not because I've done something. It's because of what God has done. If God restores you, I mean, how, 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 can, how can this table that gets broken, but we put it back together, how can it brag about, look what I've done? Something greater than you came along and fixed you. I, I mean, get this. The God of creation sent his only begotten son so that you and I could be taken care of. We could be made whole, not only outwardly so that we look good and act right on Sundays, but genuinely from the inside that God has given us the ability to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and that we can come to that place where we live in obedience to God and literally those things of the past begin to fall away from our life and we live in the abundant blessing that God has for us. I don't know about you, but I want to tell you, I want to live in freedom. I, I, I don't enjoy bondage. I don't enjoy any part of my life dictating to me and controlling the rest of my life. Those of you who have dealt with alcohol or drugs or something on that order, you know that when it starts, it's a lark. It's fun. You're just doing it. But before long, it gains control. And you are under the domination of it. Nobody picks up a pack of cigarettes and says, I want to die with cancer. 
big old pack of cigarettes because everybody else is doing it and it's cool and I'm going to smoke because everybody else I run with does. And then a year later, two years later, you can't lay it down. Do I love Jesus with all my heart? Does Jesus love me with all his heart? But is there something that's controlling my life? Yeah. And so whatever it is, you've got to come to that place of saying, you know what? This brokenness that is within me through the blood of Jesus Christ can become my greatest strength. Here's what they tell us about bones that have been broken. They tell you that when a bone has been broken, that when it knits back together, that the place that it comes back together in is stronger than the rest of the bone that's around it. Your brokenness, your iniquities, that thing that maybe nobody knows today that you struggle with for years. You love Jesus, you know him, you come to church, you're faithful, all the stuff. But you just say, you know what? I want the freedom that Jesus Christ has for my life. I don't want to struggle anymore. I want to experience the freedom that the Son brings through what he experienced on that night and on that day that he gave his life for me.